0: It's Cofield and company. Company,
1: company. I'm working for Steve Cofield, and it's just... It's just non non-stop. No, non-stop. non-stop.
2: In spite of being uh, quite chubby and not eating healthy, I don't have enough donuts. I should eat more donuts, because I love them. So Willie's uh, all amped up? Yeah, now I'm ready. It's
0: time for Cofield and Company. With Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Yeah, all right. Friday, 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 Friday. Friday. Cofield and company, Willie Ramirez. I'm not sure what mood Willie's in right now. I don't know. We're going to find out. He's been very uh, motivational today. I've been positive. Uh, We're talking – I have been. We've been talking about the changing college landscape, and I feel like, you know, schools that are on the outside looking in, as UCLA and USC move to the Big Ten, schools that are on the outside looking in, in the group of five are like, uh – there's no hope are we even going to be division 1 anymore and yeah when things change there are opportunities and you know if you were listening earlier we we're talking to Stanford route former raider and I spent a good amount of time talking about the university of Houston and Houston is one of those model schools right like was really good in basketball 70s and 80s right with guy I lewis really good a gem. and then they were kept out of the money conferences and now they've bounced back because they invested in their programs. Tillman Fertitta put a lot of money into the program. Fertitta's here, right? Cousins put a lot of money into the facility at UNLV. And I was just saying to someone, you know, uh, you know, these cities where you're, you know, you're you're good at college sports, you know, but you're also a pro sports city. I'm like Houston. They have the Texans. They have the Astros. They have the Rockets. I think I think Houston Cougar basketball this year with Calvin Sampson is going to win the national title. And I think there's going to be a lot of people out there. who are like, what? Like, do you forget how good they've been the last three years in the NCAA tournament? So, if Houston can do it, if other schools and cities can buy themselves to the table, there's there's some hope here. We got a lot of good stuff coming up in the Big Five, and we'll revisit more of the West Coast angles with what's going on in college sports with uh, one of your buddies from the Associated Press. That's all coming up in the five o'clock hour. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the
2: Big Five at Five, number five. All right. Backyard barbecue or fireworks? What do you love more about Fourth of July weekend? Barbecue. You do? I'm
1: not a fireworks guy. You know, I mean,
2: kind of get over that. This was never, I mean, you know. Really?
1: Yeah, I, I just, well,
2: I just brought him down. I was like, "Hey, he's in a good mood now." He just got all kind of melancholy. No, I some just bad no, memories of fireworks. No, no, not at all. You know, it's you know,
1: it was just, we set them off when I was a kid, and as you get older, you, there's you go to you go. I, I always went to someone's house for the barbecue, and they had kids, or or someone would bring the you know the group of people, and they'd bring kids, and so the, they set off the fireworks. So you sit back and watch, but it was never a matter of like, let's go. Park, like when Jordan was little, that wasn't there. Jordan's mother never had to argue with me. She wanted to get him, and then when she had her other kids, and then we're gonna drive and park yeah. we, we, before before Northwest was really blown up. Aliante was still sort of a desolate area. You yeah. can see the strip from there, or go to the top of Centennial. Never an argument with me. Take them, go. You yeah. can. I, I was. It's just not a big deal to me um, to go drive around. The other thing, and I was talking to somebody earlier today about that uh local media member we are talking about some other stuff but we, you know she was like what are you doing for well, it's like yeah i've never really been you know on holidays in las vegas especially growing up here when you're a dj like you dj so many things and events new years was new years is like amateur night to me 4th uh, of july you know you dj in a party or dj or we go to wet and wild the original wet and wild so to me it's it's like yeah no big deal plus you don't want to be out when people are already out drinking I, I just wasn't ready. So I got real sour. No, I no, I'd rather go to <laughs> so the backyard
2: barbecue, you you know I'd you, rather go to you a, do a back, your thing just a with your friends. barbecue
1: with some friends that are going to shoot off fireworks and that's great, but my excitement would be to to go to a bar. I'm always down for a good barbecue, a good backyard barbecue, especially when I know like like, the one I'm invited to this weekend is, like, with the fellas from back in the 80s. Including, oh, really? Yeah, oh, like, okay. Lee... Uh, Must be nice. Our, our, you got, a, got an invite, huh? Our guy Lee right. Strother from uh, Julian's... Mom. Oh, is okay. that you know, right? Our, our old right. school crew from the 80s, we're going to get... They always get together at the same house. And I saw them last weekend. And they're like, yeah, we're doing it again. So, I'm looking more forward to the barbecue, the food... I get it. ...than the fireworks.
2: I get it. I get it. I like the fireworks. How are you? Yeah, All right. I've always loved fireworks. I think it's awesome. I love the music. Um, also... Completely down with the fact that we have uh, some neighbors who buy a bunch of illegal fireworks, and yeah. uh, the SO and myself sit outside, and uh, no, we there's, uh, well, we're ready to run. We are, I mean, we are in a squat in a chair, yeah. but like ready to bolt. Yeah. Uh, last year they freaking set up a, a tree on fire, a uh, neighbor like three houses down. Sweet. So the SO's line now is she doesn't leave the house. On the 4th of July to go anywhere because she's making sure our house doesn't get blown up or a car doesn't go up in flames. So, you know who you- but I love it. I freaking love it. I stay far enough away. There's a little bit of risk. It's a fabulous show.
1: There used to be a barbecue. So a couple things. So there used to be a barbecue. I used to get invited to every single year. Same family, same same group, and we'd all get together. And But I was invited and bring Jordan and the kids all play, but I was immediately, I'd walk in and they'd hand me the tongs and the apron, and I was immediately the grill master. And I had no problem with it because I wanted to make sure that the backyard barbecue was fantastic. But you know who used to take care of us when Jordan was little? It was always, hey, come on out, got your seats, and they used to let us go down through the clubhouse and sit on the field was Donnie Logan. Come on out, take care of Jordan, fireworks. And then, of course, now they always have, and I'm sure the aviators still do it, it's like it was fireworks night. Once a month, there's always fireworks. So, always, I you know, when he was little, and and you're a parent and you want to go do stuff like that. But going and spending the outrageous money on fireworks.
2: Well, I didn't say I buy any of them.
1: No, no, no. I know that's I don't buy so any of them
2: and I don't fire any of them off. I'm not I'm not yeah. blowing my arm off. I'm not JPPing my hand or something. Now when
1: you were little, did you ever do the little tricks with like the ones that you could buy at the at the booth? Like I think it was a Piccolo Pete. There was one of them if you stomped at the end of it, it turned into something. It would it would go wild on the it would take off. I, I
2: watch, man. I, that's all I've ever done. Sparklers, mm-hmm. that was it. Eh, yeah, yeah, that was as dangerous as I got. I don't take any... Re- I was never a blow stuff up kid, destroy stuff kid, kill stuff kid. Never. But I'll watch other people do it.
1: You weren't Sid in Toy Story, huh? No, not you at all.
2: Number four. All right, so something weird's going on. According to BBW, okay. Big Brian Windhorst, mm-hmm. he's on first take this morning, and he. i am tell you what, his delivery is so weird uh, he started talking about the Jazz. And he's like, did you see what the Jazz did yesterday? And he was talking about a Royce O'Neill deal to the Nets for a first-round pick. And he's like, you know, there's a lot of people around the league who are looking at that. And they're like, the Jazz are up to something. So I think what he was saying without saying it was that Danny Ainge being in Jazzland wants to make a gigantic splash like he did with the Celtics when he put together Garnett and Pierce with Allen, right? I guess it would be Allen and Garnett with Pierce. And also what he did to start the next generation of Celtics with the big trade, flipping those guys to the nets for 100 first-round picks. So Rudy Gobert went bye-bye later in the afternoon. And based on kind of the, the weird vibe we were getting this morning from uh, Winhorst, I think he's suggesting that either they're gonna make some sort of gigantic trade and get in on Kevin Durant somehow, maybe be a trade partner in there, maybe get him uh, but it, it, but it could also mean he may have a whole collection of new players he's bringing in, build a super team and get Donovan Mitchell out. because there you know, there were a lot of rumors that hey Mitchell and Gobert weren't getting along. One of them had to go. You know, then Rudy Gobert is kind of a horse's ass. I mean, he did the whole thing with COVID where, you know, he started that. I mean, it's not like he started the epidemic, but, but he's rubbing people, you know. Talk, and then And then you had the thing last year where he gets, like, stung in the face by a bee. And he's like, oh, I got a beehive at home. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> the basketball season's is not a line. Don't have a beehive in the backyard, you weirdo. So, wouldn't that be a hoot if while Lakers fans are like, we got to do something big. We want stars. And all of a sudden, Danny Ainge pulls off another. Celtics like action with mega trades to build up the team in freaking Salt Lake. That's kind of cool. It is. And I think that they should
1: you know with Gobert now what Minnesota, I think that they should keep Donovan Mitchell. I don't I don't think there's any plan to move him and build around him as the franchise player. Now I could can you imagine Durant and Donovan Mitchell, and then you build around that, it could be a very dangerous team with immediacy.
2: I think you also have to sell Kevin Durant on going to Salt Lake. You it's do. not always a desired destination no, for players. You do. It's but, an interesting place to play. But you go to the mind of what you just
1: brought up with Danny Age and what he built in Boston and the titles that, that sort of brought that, that that storied franchise back to the top of the NBA. Yep. He's done it. That's a selling point to, to, to someone like Kevin Durant.
0: Number four.
2: Number three. There you go. Uh, let's get to the Lakers <laughs> and Kyrie. This is another thing. Uh, BBW is like, we got to stop talking about this. But he kept talking about it. Give me a little uh, Big Brian Winhorse.
3: The Nets have no interest in accommodating Kyrie Irving. They have no interest in doing it. So if there comes up maybe a three-team trade or a four-team trade to get the Nets satisfied with what they want, to get them maybe a star, to take draft picks that they might get from Phoenix and reroute them someplace else, or take this guy, this guy, this guy, four-team trade, Kyrie might get thrown into that four-team trade just as salary ballot.
2: Okay, I love that. That is epic. Kyrie Irving, when he's at his best and shows up, is a top-ten player in the NBA. He's a championship-level player. But we know that's all out the window now because you have no idea day-to-day who Kyrie Irving is or if he's going to show up or he's going to play or he's going to have some weird issue. As a Nets fan, I love that. Like, I would love to get great value back for Kyrie Irving, but I, but I love the fact that, like, No, we're not trading you where you want to go. Like, you know, without saying it, like, you screwed us over. We made a terrible decision. You will go where we tell you to go. And Windhorse is like, the value is so low right now. He might just be a throw-in. Like, here's a salary match. Please take Kyrie Irving. Now, the only team that may want him
3: could be the Lakers. Like, he's going to be used as a tool to help the Nets. He is not going to be used as a player to trade for value very unlikely they're going to get anything value, maybe a draft pick or two, and he's not going to be used to accommodate. And he's going to have to sit and wait for the Durant situation to play out, whether that takes three days or three weeks. Mm. And that's just the reality of it. But at the end of it, when all that smoke clears, it is true, he could be a Laker. That is definitely still on the table.
2: There you go. Still on the table that Kyrie Irving could be a Laker. I don't know what sort of deal we're talking about here. I have no idea if the Lakers are part of a bigger deal. This is all so frigging fascinating, but it all starts with Durant. And I just wonder, as Kyrie Irving's looking around, he's like, wait, like, no one wants me? Yeah, dude. Like, I don't. Do you think he realizes the position he's in now?
1: Well, not only that, see, but. (laughs) Yesterday during all this, we're sitting here talking about a Kyrie, that the potential of a Kyrie Durant deal was on the table. I think there's part of him that's also saying to himself, well, wait, 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 wait. You mean we. The package with the both of us is out the window. Everybody's waiting to see where Kevin's going before they're going to deal. With, like, his, his ego is getting put in check real quick, all the way back to when he said after the season that him and Kevin will now sit down with upper management and manage the team. Now he can't even find a team. Uh, how, how
2: amazing was that? Now he can't I'm, even I'm, find a team. I'm so glad you brought that up. That we're going to manage the team. You ain't managing anything, brother. (laughs) Like, the way you acted this year has turned off the owners, has turned off teammates. Your rep around the league stinks. Yeah. Got to show up and play, man. In the end, that's all that matters. Coexist with your teammates and play. You are not reliable.
0: Number two.
2: Okay, so the A's to Vegas thing is dead. It was always dead. 23-2 vote yesterday. Folks in Oakland, you know, they're... They're putting together a billions and billions of dollar project in the Howard Terminal, uh, unless there's some other stumbling point from here. It's it's done, right? Of course. Now, as I said last hour, I think baseball, you know, one, they knew, and they were partners in Oakland using us as a negotiating pawn. But I also think they believe, like, hey, now we got Vegas lathered up. Let's go. Expansion team. Now, I would say, I don't know that that's going to happen, I will say the one intriguing thing is, because I don't know where money is coming f- you know, from for a stadium. We know the Raiders do not want... Well, I, you know, I, that that was the A, so I don't know if the Raiders care about Major League Baseball you know, being here. Um, but I do think that the fact that the bedane Wiki group and this big project that looks like it's going to be built down at LV Boulevard and Blue Diamond, I mean, there have been mentions that not only could there be a basketball arena there. You could build a baseball stadium in the area. So, where are you now on Vegas and expansion because again, this is sports Siberia. No one no one asks the fans here, media experts here what the story is. They just it's this weird. They don't reach out. They don't get on the ground here. What do you think? Do we want an expansion team for Major League Baseball in Vegas?
1: We don't want a relocated team. I believe I've been on the record of saying this that I think from this point forward you're not gonna get a storied franchise like the, the Raiders. You're just not. I, I can't imagine you asked, you're we're better off homegrown. Yeah, the only the only team that I st- the only team I will stand by that would relocate that I know for a fact I'm not saying I was the first, but I remember when the rumors first started surfacing, and that was at the NBA Summer League some time ago with a local guy who's very in tune with a lot of NBA markets, Jameson Welsh. And this was 2014, 15? It's been a while. And that was when the rumors started surfacing about the New Orleans Pelicans. It started surfacing way back then in the Summer League. It's the only franchise I can imagine that's still going to, other than that, Because why wouldn't you want, you know, if Zion ever gets his act together and gets in shape and plays, I mean, that would, you know, to put him in a Vegas uniform. But I believe that the Golden Knights have sort of proven that you can build a fan base. You threw hockey in the desert, and you organically built it. Now, that was a magical season. Right, you won. I get it. You won. But I think that – I definitely think an NBA expansion team can organically grow here because I think there's enough – Baseball is the tough one, but I'd rather have a brand new team than an expansion than, than a, uh, an expansion team than a relocated team that's bringing baggage.
2: I would take the Rays in a relocation a hundred times over any expansion team because I don't trust baseball to do the right thing. Gary Bettman, the, NH- the NHL got it. They saw expansion franchises or teams move to markets like this and flop and flounder because they weren't good forever. You have to the the days of like, hey, F the expansion team, they're gonna suck for eight years. You know, we'll just we'll just live off the excitement of uh, baseball being there. And I I I don't trust baseball to get it like the NHL did, where they're like, yeah, you know what, you don't get to protect a lot of guys, and Vegas is gonna get a really good chance at getting really good players. Do you think baseball owners and Manfred would agree to have a low number of protected players and actually set up two expansion teams with a chance to go five hundred in the first year? Well, do you think that?
1: Okay, I, the, the, the better question is, do you think that they're smart enough and intelligent enough and have the integrity enough to follow the suit, same suit as the NHL war in 2017? Do you think that they follow that same path and learn from that, that that's how it worked?
2: I don't trust baseball. To get it right, no, there you go. I, I think they're going to look at it and go, "You know what? We're getting an expansion fee. Uh, so what if they suck for seven years? Fans will just be excited to have baseball there, not Las Vegas, not
1: not Las Vegas, not
2: when not, not not this. Nope. No, we got a lot of not, we got a lot of stuff. We only have so much and Dome Stadium recreational or not. money. Dome Stadium you or be not, good. Dome Stadium or not, you
1: have a bad team in 115 degree weather. People <laughs> from all over the valley, they're not getting in the car just to drive there and then sit in traffic <laughs> to park their, and then walk through the parking and lot. And it's too hot."
0: Yep. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio.
2: Our ace is underway on the road. You can go uh, watch down at Parkway Tavern. Multiple locations, of Parkway Tavern, but our ESPN Las Vegas viewing party is at the Mark's location in Henderson. Happy hour going until 6 o'clock. Right now, 17-11, one minute left in the first quarter. Game started a while ago. First quarter, Aces up 6. Uh, is there an issue around the WNBA with players versus the league and the way the league is promoting certain players? Like Are players, on, especially on the Aces, spearheading an effort to say, hey, league, you know what? How about you actually feature the African American players?
1: Yeah, I was uh, a little bit taken back. I didn't realize this the the prominence of it. Um but there was a tweet last week that uh, tagging Kelsey Plum said she, that she speaks out about her experience with league marketing practices and the quote was I was getting preferential treatment because I was straight and white. I blocked the WNBA on social media. I was pissed. It's absolutely a problem in our league, just straight up. And then she quoted the tweet and said, still blocked, by the way. So then, um, you know, Asia was talking about the trip to Minnesota, and she was building up Sylvia Fowles, who's playing in her final season. But, you know, the one player that everybody's been talking about in her retirement year has been Sue Bird since the announcement. And you haven't really seen as much hype. And I didn't build even know. You
2: know what? I had no idea she was done. Who? Sylvia Fowles? I yeah. had no idea she was yeah. retiring. Right. Neither did I. I knew Sue Bird was because yeah, I right. got blown up. I right. saw a comment on this. Uh, uh, a Sparty 313 WNBA fan on Twitter said, The WNBA is determined to make uh, UNESCO the face of the league despite having Asia Wilson and Jonquel Jones. Sue Bird retires and it's breaking news. Fowles retires and it's barely mentioned. ESPN making Sue Bird t-shirts. Where is the Fowles shirt at ESPN. I have no idea on this issue. I, and by the way, I don't know if it's a race thing or a, you know, LBGTQ issue, right. because as you just mentioned, we, we had one of our players say, hey, they're, they're featuring me because I'm straight, straight and white and
1: white, yeah. I'm um, Kelsey Plum. Katie Barnes from ESPN.com, I haven't had a chance to get through this entire thing. It's about a 23-minute read. John Jonquil Jones and the untold story of the WNBA's reigning MVP. A lot of people don't even realize that the, the reigning MVP is John Jonquil Jones from Connecticut Sun, and I had a chance to sit down with her when the uh, Connecticut Sun were here in town not too long ago for back-to-back games, and she is just pleasant to sit down and talk with. Um, Chatted with her and Courtney Williams. So I'm interested to read this piece in terms of the marketing and how they're marketing their reigning MVP. Um, Asia, a former MVP. As you mentioned, Sylvia Fowles, it's her retirement year, a, a legend. And um, there is this, this story. I, I ran across this, and this is what triggered me to send it over because it was in today's RJ Um that this is now the second time in the past week we've heard somewhat of a backhanded racist accusation from a Las Vegas ace against the W and its marketing ploys. Um, This time just Asia just basically saying Sylvia Fowles deserves more respect, deserves more, um, you know, she basically Sil and Sue deserve their flowers 100%. They've given so much to this league, but she said that Fowles was one of the most impactful figures in the WNBA and you know, someone that she's looked up to. She announced her intention to, riot, to retire ahead of the season. Um, now, I will tell you this. The Aces, as a franchise, and PA announcer Chep Buchanan, the, the last time they were here, built up and had a huge announcement and recognized Sylvia Fowles. And the crowd gave her an incredible rouse of applause. Um, Asia said, you know, she missed actually. she's missed several games with an injury including that that game, but they still made it a point to to say it because I believe that's it for Minnesota's visits to Vegas. So they were saying, you know, her final time here in Las Vegas. And um, it's just, you know, it's it, it was kind of a little mind-boggling because I didn't know. I, I had no clue that this was, you know, within the confines of the WNBA considering the fact the makeup and the population of this league Um, And like Asia Wilson said, it's always good to let those young girls dream. If you can see her, you can be her. And that's one thing that she pointed out during the bubble and during that big, that that was a major season with a lot of uh, social attention to social injustices in that Asia has continually said she wants little black girls to be able to see what she's been able to do and provide a role model sort of vision so they can believe. People that can see, people that they recognize and are familiar to them when they look in the mirror is very important.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Let's just talk USC for a minute. If you lose one game in the Pac-12, you are done. But now if you lose one game in the Big Ten Conference, it's like, oh, okay, if they do this and make it to the Big Ten Championship, they can move on and wind up in the Final Four and all this other stuff. That's not the case with the Pac-12 Conference, because the Pac-12 Conference is not as good in the middle to the bottom. Now... Back to
2: Cofield and Company in the Finley-Toyota studio. Uh, I mean, I could argue that, but we'll let Keyshawn say what he says. I think he needs to stick to the NFL. Um, I watch Big Ten football. It's okay in the middle to the bottom. Believe me, there's some crap programs in the Big Ten in spite of getting, you know, 80 million and soon over 100 million. But I'm excited about the possibilities that are opened up here for USC and UCLA. I'm disappointed by the fact that rivalries – You know, some of them dozens, dozens and dozens of years long are going to go bye-bye. We're talking about a conference that's been around for 107 years, and we continue to uh, bring on folks from California, get the Pac-12 feel, because I don't feel like a lot lot of national shows have done a very good job of that. Uh, Joe Reedy writes for the AP, covers L.A. He's up with Willie and Cofield. How are you, sir?
4: Doing good. How you guys
2: doing? Oh, we're good. You know, this is uh, it's great for sports talk. And, you know, I'm a big college fan, so I, you know the uh, again another big realignment is kind of interesting. But you know, on the ground in LA, I just I wonder what the sentiment is from fans. You know, we talked to a UCLA beat writer earlier, so let's roll in USC. I mean, what what has been the reaction from locals in the area about you know kind of blowing up all these old traditions and you know joining forces with the Big Ten?
4: I think the thing that's incredible is and this shows you Mike Bone and the new administration at USC that basically anything would have broke at USC a day or two ahead of time, or you would have heard they're talking about this, they're talking about that. Didn't happen with Lincoln Riley, sure as heck didn't happen with this this Pac-12 thing. And the, the, the thing that I've heard from a few people on the USC and UCLA side is that both sides, ever since um, nil, and I'm sure the the, the uh, wonderful uh, reign of Larry Scott the past couple <laughs> past couple years, um, have been exploring possible exits. Nil exacerbated and I think accelerated that, and they were both pursuing different tracks until both kind of like that Spider-Man meme like, well, you're you're doing this too. Yeah, you're looking at this and it really wasn't until the end that um they kind of teamed up and it teamed up and said let's, let's go and do this. So yeah. the fact that, you know, this had been going on a couple months and it really didn't break until yesterday when all the formal meetings and invitations took yep. place and this was over 6 to 7 hours is is quite striking.
2: I love that point. You you win at the highest level, uh, you know, especially football uh, when things are good from the top down and broken schools and schools that fail forever. Um, that's the, that's the kind of crap that goes on, right? The leaks, the, uh, the you know, the snitching, you know, stabbing in the back. Everyone's got to be moving in one direction. And I'm glad you mentioned Larry Scott because there's, there's going to be so much blame laid at the feet of Larry Scott, especially if the Pac-12 blows up from here. But one of the points you make there is, is great in terms of um, where UCLA and USC is interest-wise nationally, like, you know, we're here in Vegas, specific time zone, and all we hear is no one out here cares about sports. And it's like, to me, that's part of the legacy of Larry Scott. Like, the, the fact that the Pac-12 has been marginalized, people care about sports out this way.
4: Yeah, people care about sports. And, I mean, you guys know having a basketball tournament there for more than a few years now, it's it's a great place to, Watch a tournament, and I know some people in Major League Baseball were even excited to partake in it for the first time. Until all of a sudden, they had to rush back to uh, Cactus League teams <laughs> and everything because the lockout ended. It, there's it, it, there's interest. There's USC and UCLA are national brands. I would I would I would say too if you're looking at Pac-12 because of Phil Knight, Oregon is a national brand, too. Washington, maybe not so much, but definitely with USC and UCLA, USC has maybe more of the history in the Midwest because they've taken on Notre Dame every year, and they might be known to a wider swath of fans than than maybe UCLA, but... um, In the Midwest, I would say, but definitely in terms of national brands and interest, those two move the needle. Because let's face it, it, the Pac-12 is rolling and at its best when USC football and UCLA basketball are dominating. And that hasn't happened maybe the past couple years, but I think when you look to the late 2000s, when both those programs got everything going, the conference was doing good last 10 to 11 years, not so much. And also with the TV deals, I know I know people in the East love pack 12 after dark and everything, but, but maybe for the general sports fan and everything, you know, it's news time then. And I mean, Willie can argue, Willie can go to the same point too with early deadlines and everything. Uh, you know, especially with Pac-12, heck, teams in even their own time zone have problems getting uh, news in, and you have to look at the internet. So I, I think for both schools, this is this is a this is a great deal, and you hate to see the Pac-12 implode kind of like it did. But you know, 20, 30 years ago, there were a ton of histories and rivalries in Texas and Oklahoma with the Southwestern Conference, and that's gone away.
1: Speaking to Joe Reedy, Associated Press, from the L.A. area, covered the, everything under the sun from in Los Angeles. Joe, so in, uh, from that point, where does the Pac-12 go from here in terms of how do they set the wheels in motion? What do they what do they do with immediacy, and how do they look at things long term once USC and UCLA are gone? Do they start att- Are they in attack mode?
4: I think they're kind of in attack mode because this this kind of reminds me of. I kind of thought of the old-time wrestling skits when the, when the Pac-12 thing finally broke, that you had this alliance with the Big Ten, you know, ACC and, uh, and Pac-12, and all of a sudden the Big Ten got the uh, metal chair out and bashed the, the Pac-12 <laughs> over it. So I think a lot of the things that the Pac-12 were looking at expansion-wise, Certainly goes to the forefront now because not only do they have to guard their own members, if the, you know the, the the Big Ten poaches a school or two down the line, but the Big the Big Twelve is in a pretty good situation now too with the four schools that they added, and if they can you know maybe add both the Arizonas or a Utah or something, what, what direction what direction do they go from there? So. It's almost a you have to be proactive in figuring out how to do expansion and also making sure that, that your current um, what are going to be your marquee schools after USC and UCLA leave all of a sudden double now would be your Oregon. Washington and and I think Utah too because because Whittingham has built a great program at Utah the last couple of years and it definitely made some national waves with that Rose Bowl game back in January but I think I think not only the conference the I haven't talked to anybody at the Tournament of Roses yet because it, that besides the conference as a whole what this does to the Rose Bowl is. Uh, I, I hate to say cataclysmic, but it's, it's it's damn near near it.
1: Yeah, but can you imagine in a few years, and you getting ready, you or Greg getting ready to uh, to go cover the Rose Bowl, and it's USC or UCLA, and one of the PA- current or the the what the new Pac-12 uh, landscape will look like? That would be incredible. So we had a couple of guests on earlier. One we talked a little bit about you know a school like Houston, right? That that sort of once was a basketball power back in the '70s and '80s, and you know they went to the, now they're in the AAC and now they're headed here and there. but we've seen the money that's infused into that the backing that they have and and with the Pac-12 the Big 12 and and where they're looking in areas that maybe not just programs but where there's a lot of money that can be infused or that's been invested how attractive is Las Vegas as a city forget about UNLV football forget about UNLV basketball's drop off since the Tarcanian era and the Long Kruger era. Look at Las Vegas as the sports landscape that it is now and what it's grown into. And the money that's been put into the football facilities at UNLV. Is UNLV an attractive commodity to a conference down the road because of Las Vegas?
4: Yeah, I would would definitely think so on the fact, too, that you know, Big Twelve, Big Twelve football. Sorry, Pac Twelve football and uh, basketball have their tournaments there already. And for for the NCAA stature, it's helping too. Not only with the preseason tournaments there, but I think there's a re, the regionals at T Mobile next year or in twenty four. Uh, the, the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight for the uh, West Regional. So it's it's definitely helping in stature too from the. Uh, from the NCAA standpoint. I th- I think if I if I was if I was the Pac-12, the two mm-hmm. schools I'd be looking at at the top of the list are UNLV and Boise State right now. And if you wanted to maybe take a look at it, take a look at a Houston possibly possibly taking a look at that, but Hmm. Since the conference has all been about mountain and Pacific time zones, I'd be looking at Boise and UNLV right now, and maybe San Diego State.
2: If everyone remains, you know, who's there now? Oregon and Washington got, you know, rebuffed on some initial uh, request to the Big Ten. If everyone remains now, who are the power schools that actually, you know, have the most sway in deciding where the conference goes? We know that, you know, the, the commissioners obviously can have a big say in it, but who are the power schools now?
4: Uh, Phil Knight uh, <laughs> so, so Oregon okay and uh, I think Stanford too okay. Stanford with the, with the prestige I mean I know football and basketball has struggled but when you look at the number of sports they have with their revenues revenue and you uh, know with with trying to look at look at prestige of the conference and everything I do think Stanford, Okay, Stanford has it. Stanford has a ton of sway, and you want and you want to keep the bay. Or you want to keep the bay area happy yep. too.
2: See, I like that because what that means is you have a little balance here. You got an academic institution, and then one that is balls to the wall, athletics. So I think they're still going to look at matches for the conference uh, that you know that meet up to the conference standard. So my thought was, you know what. If Stanford and Cal go to the Big Ten, then it just becomes a conference that could be all about—not all about—but a lot about athletics. And then you maybe you go and cannibalize teams from the Big Twelve. And you know, um, ethically, I don't—you know—I'm not a big fan of Baylor. But at that point, then maybe you go after Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and and uh, one other school. Um, so right now, all bets are off because we don't know which direction the Pac-12 is going to go, in in terms of trying to
4: match up schools. Yeah, and also if you're to if you're to Big Twelve uh, Mountain West. You you don't you don't know what this means for you. Also, the Big Twelve. You thought you were in good shape going into twenty twenty three and stuff. But, right. I mean, I rem- I remember when when the Pac twelve expanded back in 2010, 2011, Everybody thought that it was going to become the Pac sixteen with maybe Oklahoma, Texas, and yeah. and branch out a little bit. So maybe this would happen again. Just. You know, as somebody who grew up in Ohio and still has family there, I just find it funny that 30 years ago, when Penn State joined the conference, everybody thought that going to Happy (laughs) Valley was like making the Lewis and Clark trip and going to the other end of the world. And now, and now to show the gains and everything. or did UCLA and USC are joining the conference here in two years.
1: I just want to make sure that they're going to, at some point, adjust the number. I don't care about history in the Big Ten. At some point, can we get can we get the number right with the number Why? of teams? Why? I mean, that's, but that's the branding, right?
2: <laughs> I guess that's the brand. I mean, that's that is the branding. Um, but yeah, I think this is a this is a fascinating point. Um, who's going to have the best leadership? Who's going to learn from the mistakes of the past and have the Pac-12 schools, the power schools and the new commissioner have they learned from the mistakes or they're going to repeat the Texas Oklahoma mistake, uh, Oklahoma mistake again? Are they going to be kind of snooty? Like I don't think there's any time now to be snooty.
4: Well, no, and, also, and also too, if you're the Big 12, you're looking at the Pac-12 and going, "This is why we didn't form our own network." Because the Pac-12 network is the reason, you know, that's seven, eight different regional network setups and the fact that it can hardly get on anywhere and the diminished revenues and resources and everything, that's also, uh, through Larry Scott, that's also another reason why the uh, conference is where it is today.
1: Once again, talking with Joe Reed from AP. Joe, I really appreciate you coming on and and lending some opinion from the SoCal. We've heard a lot of national media, but from the other side of the country, so we wanted to make sure we got some voices, especially from SoCal. So I appreciate you coming on here with Cofield & Company. Looking forward to, of course, sharing some quotes with you and seeing you as the season starts to pick up with college and pro football. I appreciate you coming on.
4: No problem and I'm hoping to get there before the uh, beginning of football for a couple days of R&R so. All right, yeah.
1: well
2: dinner's on Steve so give us <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's great. All
2: right, thanks you. There you go. Oh, you know, we'll we'll see what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. I, I do love his point at the very beginning about UCLA and USC being buttoned up, not having a bunch of horses asses you know around the school leaking stuff and keep in mind, right? The USCAD, Mike Bond coming from the Eastern time zone, right? Martin Jarmon coming from B.C., and they've had a couple of years or some time there. You know, you look around, you're like, what the frig is going on here? Why are we not getting any money? Why does our TV network suck? Why are schools in the Midwest and the East and the South getting all this money? Both guys got to lay the land, and they're like, we got to get the hell out of this. We got to fix this money problem.
0: Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, Bag
1: Don't touch it. Don't even look at it.
0: Only on! ESPN Las Vegas.
1: look at on!
2: So good job by uh, Joe from the AP and Ben from the LA Times giving us the USC UCLA feel better feel of what that uh, the Pac-12 is looking at and we'll concentrate more on the Mountain West end of it. We'll talk to people from around the Mountain West next week because there there's going to be some changes. Uh, the Big Ten for now pump the brakes on everything. Uh, you know stories out there that Oregon Washington reached out and the Big Ten's like yeah we're good for now. I think they're waiting on first a Notre Dame decision. Because Notre Dame's gotta be looking around. Notre Dame now finally has to crunch the numbers and go, I you know what, I don't even know what their TV deal is, but say Notre Dame revenue they control TV is like, say it's 60 million, right? And then they're looking at projections like, oh, the Big Ten's gonna give 120 million dollars the school? Like, oh boy. Like we gotta we gotta look at this. So there's gonna be some time here. It's not gonna all happen overnight. Clearly USC and UCLA have been working on this for months and months and months. And One of the things I like to do on this show is make sure that, you know, we cover things nationally, just like we cover things locally and regionally. And I do laugh at, again, the lack of knowledge of West Coast sports and this misnomer that like Pac-12 football sucks. If you follow recruiting, do you realize how many players come from California alone that feed all these schools? around the country, and a lot of those players stay at home, stay in the Mountain West Conference, stay in the Pac-12. Football is good out here. And I was just reading a a, or a tweet from – this is actually USC beat writer, which it really – I don't think he watches enough Big Ten football. He said, USC's 2024 football schedule is going to look like a murderer's row, open the season uh, with LSU here in Las Vegas, if that game stays right, uh, and at home against Notre Dame in between nine Big Ten games okay, what if the Big Ten games are, you know, Rutgers, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska. Indiana. Indiana. Like, you know, that's like that whole, the, the bite you played earlier, Keyshawn, oh, the, the the middle and the bottom of the Big Ten is so much better. What are you talking about? And please, anyone who wants to challenge me on that, I think I watch a lot of Big Ten football. And as I watch it, I'm like, man, the middle of this conference often has no quarterbacks. The offenses are boring as blank.
1: If, if, it's, if, it's a
2: good brand of football. Now the elite programs are really good. Right. Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan State are really good, but the the middle on the bottom ain't any better than the middle and the bottom of the Pac-12. Cut please, cut it out. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I just got to play this bite from this morning again. This is one of those things. If you want to talk sports gambling. You got to at least get the terminology right. This was first take kind of having some fun with what Vegas knows and NBA odds.
3: I would like to say that Lakers title odds have moved dramatically since the news. So they were 22 and one last week, 18 and one right before the news. And now they're 10 and one sports books. They kind of like they know something's going on over there. They know something, because they always have, at, they always, yeah, 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 good. yeah, yeah. It's more so the pay attention to that. We're putting money in, and the, bo- the books are reacting. The but sharps the, are coming the, in. Somebody knew that Paolo Blanquero because the books reacted mm-hmm. before, before it became known. And earlier this week, when I was hearing why KD, if he asks if he asks for a trade, wants to go to Phoenix, I was looking at the odds, and Phoenix's odds were going down. And I was like, something's somebody's happening. talking. Somebody yes. knows something. Somebody's going, something's <laughs> going on there. Right.
1: It really. I can't wait till the summer league to to to, 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 to talk to Malika <laughs> specifically, but and talk to Brian first of all and get them the right terminology. Uh, and I, don't I love. Know that, I don't know I that
2: think, that was Malika Andrews, by the way. Oh, I'm not it was, sure. no, I not I know. thought it was on the NBA I, show. I don't know who it was. Okay, yeah, it was so first we,
1: take. So so, so for, for oh, was it first take? Yeah. Okay, so forgive me then, um, but. It's not and one, obviously. It's two to one, ten to one. But yeah, you're right, and and the sharps were moving it. The odds makers were moving it on air as they are hearing things. Yeah,
2: yes, Vegas is connected. Vegas has a lot of the information that BBW has. Big Brian Winhorst. Um, otherwise, you know, sports books, not just here, but all over the country, you'd go under. If you if you were sideswiped by all these moves, you would go under. You'd be in big trouble. Willie, good job the last couple of days. Good job by Ari. Great guest today. Have a good weekend. Be safe.